Welcome to Blue Hour, a podcast for seekers and thinkers, creatives and dreamers. Here we'll be exploring the convergence of shadow and light, the mysteries of life, and the musings of the soul through psychology, art, and spirituality. I'm your host, Adina Arden Cooper. Please join me on this magical journey as we expand our consciousness and infuse our lives with more wonder, love, and fulfillment. Welcome to episode two of Blue Hour. I'm your host, Adina Arden Cooper. Today, the conversation about origin stories continues with a dive into family of origin. This is the family you were born into and or raised by. For some, family is a source of great comfort and reassurance. For others, family is highly triggering and difficult to deal with. Either way, your family of origin is a significant factor in your identity development. Whether it be through direct imparting of values, lessons, and behaviors that align with who you are and who you want to be, or the absence of this that forced you to figure yourself out on your own, your family made an impact. Think about how much of our experience depends on the family we were born into. Values, socioeconomic status, religion, politics, number of siblings, birth order, divorce or separation, geographic location, ethnicity, adoption, who lived in the household. All of these are just some of the things that were affected by our families. And none of that even speaks to individual temperaments and personalities and how those come together let alone the influence of trauma. Who were you in your family? Were you the responsible one? The baby? The black sheep? Whatever role you had colors your perception. We don't notice these distinctions as kids, and we tend to not realize as adults how the roles we play in our family alters how we experience it. The responsible one and the black sheep may have very different perceptions of things. Have you ever tried to perceive things from the perspective of someone else in your family? Of course, that's difficult to do because you're not them. But if you try to see from a vantage point other than your own, you may have a better understanding of the dynamics that formed and maybe even a bit more sympathy or appreciation for other family members. No matter how much we grow or change, we may end up slipping into the same roles when we're with family. Often, family members struggle to perceive each other in new or different ways. We get locked into who we used to be or who others expect us to be, which is complicated even more when they never saw us accurately or never let us be our true selves to begin with. In that way, being around family of origin can feel very uncomfortable. An entire podcast could be devoted to unpacking complex family dynamics. That's not what this podcast is about. However, I feel it worth giving some attention to how your family of origin shaped you and how difficult it may be to disentangle from family threads that don't serve or support you 
while maintaining connection to necessary aspects of self and identity. When we're kids, we have no idea what's quote-unquote normal or not normal. We may sense that something is off in our family or unusual, but we don't know how far off things are and we don't tend to question it. We just live our lives in many ways oblivious to damage being inflicted on our psyches. I often hear people say things like, it wasn't that bad, it could have been worse when describing childhood challenges, as if their pain somehow doesn't meet a standard worth mentioning, or as if there are levels of suffering and pain is only measured by comparison. There's so much that contributes to how we experience our lives. I've witnessed people who've been through horrific things, yet they function super well and have managed to truly move beyond their past. I've also witnessed people who haven't endured any obvious traumas who suffer immensely all the time. What happened to you isn't the issue as much as how well you're able to integrate and heal from your experiences. If you struggle with this, it doesn't mean you're weak. You may be neurodiverse, highly sensitive. You may be feeling the weight of ancestral trauma or past lives or all of the above. It's important to be compassionate with yourself as you parse it all out. It doesn't serve to compare your life or reactions to anyone else's. We're all just very different. People tend to think the big T traumas are all that cause significant distress. Big T traumas are things that are life-threatening events, such as an accident, severe and chronic abuse, major illness, natural disaster, for example. However, it's the little T traumas, things like abandonment, neglect, bullying, divorce, switching schools, loss of pet, chronic stuff like that, that are often harder to heal. That's because they're harder to identify. You may never have realized that something was a major problem for you because others around you may have minimized or belittled it, or maybe you felt you deserved what was happening, or maybe you just didn't understand your own emotions. These sorts of traumas tend to get pushed into the subconscious. There, they create a degree of fear or discomfort in your life, but you don't know where those feelings are stemming from. This is why shadow work, working to illuminate what lies in the subconscious, is so helpful. All too often, when people do awaken to the complex trauma they carry, when they realize that their experiences may not have been quote-unquote normal, they reject their family of origin. I get this completely as I've done it myself. For years, I refused to have anything to do with certain family members because of the disappointment and betrayal I felt. Sometimes people describe this as having good boundaries, but it's more often avoidance, straight-up refusal to do hard healing work. Don't get me wrong, you should by all means uphold boundaries, You should never feel obligated to continue a relationship with anyone who makes you feel unsafe or unseen. But you do yourself a disservice when you get caught up in blame without turning your reflections inward. I've witnessed many instances of people being completely shut out who may not have needed to be. 
Boundaries are not impenetrable walls. It's so important to do your healing work so that you trust yourself enough to uphold healthy boundaries, which are less like walls and more like membranes that allow necessary nutrients in while keeping unhealthy toxins out. If you're truly going to accept yourself, all parts of yourself, even the undesirable, unattractive, messy, flawed parts, you must do the same for your family. You must fully acknowledge where you came from. If you reject or cut yourself off completely from family, including specific members of family, you reject and cut yourself off from a crucial part of who you are. Keep in mind, acceptance doesn't always require maintaining relationships. We can't control the actions of others after all, and sometimes our family members make it really hard to connect. Acceptance does require you to acknowledge them, though to allow yourself to admit to and own your own origins. If you were cut off from your family of origin because of adoption, death, relocation, or some other reason, that void is part of the family story. Even if you don't know who they are, you know someone existed who contributed to your existence. If nothing else, acknowledge that. Those lives matter because they helped create you and you matter. Maybe some of you out there listening to this had perfect families. I'm sure most of you did not. I imagine many of you, like me, tried like hell to understand why or how your family was so damn weird. <laughs> Personally, I had no frame of reference for my family. We were unlike any I encountered. If you're unfamiliar with Gen X childhood, let me explain that we watched a lot of TV. We didn't have cell phones or the internet or video games, and we were left unsupervised for hours. So we watched TV. Sitcoms were popular back then, and they usually centered around a family. There was the Cosby Show, Family Ties, Growing Pains, Who's the Boss, The Wonder Years, None of these shows depicted characters I could relate to. As a kid, I didn't understand how TV, or any media for that matter, presented a polished rendition of reality. I took what I saw at face value and ate up the artificial sweetener, all the while comparing my real life to fiction. This may sound stupid of me. However... The families I saw around me appeared a lot more like the ones I saw on TV than like mine, further reinforcing the idea that my reality was the odd outlier. Now I can understand that none of those families were perfect either. Except, maybe, this one. <laughs> one particular friend of mine had the best family, as far as I could tell. My friend was my same age and in the same grade as me. And her older sister was the same age and in the same grade as my sister. But that is where any similarities ended. This family lived in a big, nice house in the suburbs that somehow always smelled like roses. My friend's parents were married and seemed to actually like each other. They acted happy and seemed to enjoy life. They talked to their kids, spent quality time with them, fed them nourishing meals, attended their recitals or games, and tucked them in at night. It all seemed so idyllic to me, like a fucking fairy tale. 
I remember my friend's dad put us all to bed one night during a sleepover. He joked around and playfully and appropriately roughhoused with his girls. He even included me as if I were one of the family. I could never have imagined my father behaving in such a way. Play with us? What? Enjoy our company? Are you kidding me? It was pro- I was probably about seven when that happened, and I remember it like it was yesterday. It left that much of an impression. Being included in the joy that my friend's dad brought to his kids that night was so sweet and so sad at the same time. I wished that I had that kind of attention, joy, and love in my life. I don't even quite know how to describe my family. Um, My parents were divorced. My mom was rarely around. My dad pretty much absent. My older sister and I spent the majority of our time with maternal grandparents. I never met anyone on my father's side of the family. He immigrated from Israel when he met my mother, so they were all in another country. After my parents' divorce when I was five, we lived in various apartments with my mom, but my sister and I were hardly ever at those apartments, honestly. We were only there after dinner on weekdays, so basically just to sleep. After school and weekends were spent with my grandparents. Their house would count as my childhood home, I suppose, but since it didn't house my clothes or my bed... I mean, I had a bed there, but it was not my bed. It didn't exactly feel like home. The house itself was literally falling apart. I remember holes in the ceiling and floors, chipped paint. Things were always broken. There were two refrigerators in the kitchen, one for keeping things cold, the other for storage. My grandfather was a hoarder, boxes and boxes, in the basement, in his room, Various piles of stuff everywhere. Uh, My grandparents slept in separate rooms and basically couldn't stand each other. (laughs) My great uncle also lived there, and so it was like I had two grandpas, except my uncle slept all day because he worked nights, and even when he was awake, he was pretty quiet and grumpy. I don't think I ever had a full conversation with that man. Uh, My grandfather was an eccentric Russian immigrant, a devout Jew who also was a yogi. Uh, he ate everything mashed or juiced because he had no teeth. <laughs> he napped in parks or patches of grass in the middle of the city. He wore stained, torn clothes, probably just to save money, and, but that made people think he was homeless, as did the sleeping in random places. <laughs> Meanwhile... My grandmother would cruise around on her adult tricycle with her bestie because neither ever learned to drive. So they'd ride around on these trikes, sporting ugly brown wigs and filling their bike baskets with groceries or whatever. It was no secret that my grandparents were not my biological grandparents, as my mother was adopted into the family as an infant. Now this here is the ultra-abbreviated, condensed description of my family of origin. I'm sharing it just to illustrate the fact that we were most definitely not typical. I don't know much about family histories on either side, but there was certainly a lot of trauma floating around, affecting behavior, relationships, my genetic composition, um, 
we'll explore that more in another episode. While I love all of my family members, they were all intent to, then intend to remain now closed off, private, secretive, making authentic emotional connection very difficult. As a highly sensitive, deeply empathetic, and emotional being, I struggled a lot in this environment. As I mentioned in the last episode, a big part of my healing is taking place through reconfiguring my origin story, which means learning to accept all family members, all behaviors of family members, including my own, and all circumstances that occurred. This requires me to let go of disappointment, anger, and resentment. There are plenty of valid reasons why my family members weren't always able to offer me what I needed as a child. Behavior is repeated in families. Patterns, dysfunctions, and traumas are passed down through generations. At some point, someone has to make a conscious choice to drastically change things. So that's what I'm doing. Honestly, that's what I've been doing my entire life. Letting go of all of those negative feelings means witnessing the sad little girl inside of me and giving her now what I didn't get then. Same with the confused adolescent inside of me, the angry teenager, the insecure young woman, the overwhelmed mother. We have to love and support all of our wounded parts in order to let go of old pain. Doing this naturally releases resentment, creating more space for empathy and compassion. Internal family systems therapy has helped me so much. IFS is now a foundational part of how I serve others. We'll talk more about it in a future episode, but for now, just look it up if you're unfamiliar. I could never do all of this deep healing work alone. I go to therapy and work with a shamanic healer regularly. I also do energy work, massage, sometimes attend ecstatic dance and get Akashic readings. Healing is multifaceted and requires tons of support. As I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking about heirlooms and objects that we inherit from our families. I have this huge old patchwork quilt stored away in a closet that holds years of familial energy. This quilt covered my mom's bed when I was a kid. I remember sitting on her bed fascinated by the different squares of fabric my favorite one being a silky leopard print. The story I've been told is that this quilt was made by my paternal grandmother, a woman I never met, so it gives me some connection to her. When my mom moved out when I was a teenager, yes, she moved out, not me, a whole story unto itself, she left the quilt behind. For years after that, it covered my bed. It's large and heavy and super cozy. Unfortunately, time took its toll and it started falling apart. I hope to one day have it restored, but for now, it's just there sitting in the closet. Textiles have been used for centuries across cultures to tell stories. Threads and fabric being woven or stitched together is much like how families come together. We're each our own individual thing but we become a part of something else, something bigger when we're put together. And it's important and helpful to see that whole thing to really understand your place. 
If you wish to go deeper with your personal exploration and integration of your family of origin, you may be inspired by textile arts. Maybe you knit or crochet. Think about making something with different yarn representing different family members. Maybe you sew and are ambitious enough to create a quilt of your own. You can choose different fabrics to represent different family members and patch them all together. If sewing or textiles isn't your thing, you can decorate squares of paper or use tiles or pieces of ceramic to create a mosaic. Allow your intuition to guide you to the materials. Notice the colors and patterns you select for different people. Don't overthink or analyze. Simply notice and observe how it all comes together. Let your intuition lead. This can be a powerful way to honor and integrate your experience. If you do this activity, be sure to include all family members, even the ones you don't like or those who have passed on. Moving through the discomfort or the grief or sorrow that comes up is a huge part of the healing process. Work with the discomfort. Let it inform you and then process through what you feel. The work of art you create is a depiction of you, your story, your life, your heritage. Honor it. Is this something you would be willing to do? Do you have interesting stories to tell about your family of origin? Please, if so, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you'll join me next time when we continue to explore the factors that contribute to our origin stories. Until then, I'm sending you all blessings and love. Be well. Thank you for listening to Blue Hour. To find out more about me, Adina Arden Cooper, and my work, visit my website at firebirdcreative.me. You can also follow me on Instagram at fire.bird.creative. If you liked this episode, please share it. And if you like this podcast, please review and subscribe. Join me for the next episode. Until then, I'll leave you with the words of Rumi, famed 13th century Persian poet, scholar, and mystic. Wherever you are, and whatever you do, be in love. <laughs>